Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of The Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, I've got a really exciting guest. Her name is Carrie Severson, and she is the author of Unapologetically Enough, which is a great title. I love it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, how to feel unapologetically enough. So welcome, Carrie. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So Carrie, first of all, would you tell the audience why you are writing about this particular topic? You know, what, what got you interested in it? What's led to you being on that journey? Yeah. So um, I'm an entrepreneur and my first business was a nonprofit. Um, it was a bullying solutions organization for young girls. I started that in Arizona in 2011. And at the time, girl-on-girl bullying was a national topic. Uh, My little organization caught on fire and sort of was catapulted to the national media spotlight. And I took off running at a pace I had never experienced before. There was so much demand. And um, a couple years into it, I really burned out. Um, And when I went through burnout recovery of really sort of uh, unpacking all of the emotions I was ignoring, all of the, all of the weight I put on, all the stress, all of the, you know, turmoil and trauma I had been through from working 18 hours a day. And uh, I went through my journals and I caught wind of a number of words that I used all the time. And the word enough was all over my journals. I say that I threw it around like confetti and I had a negative connotation with it. I, I associated it to lack. I didn't have enough. I wasn't enough. It it wasn't enough money. I didn't have enough time. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a big enough donation. And the word enough for me back in, this was like 2013, 2014, I really felt like it was a trigger word for me. And so I claimed it as something I wasn't going to ever use again. I put it like a bandaid on it. I literally deleted it from my vocabulary. Um, So I went through life writing about my burnout experience, writing about my love life, writing about what, um, how I was reshaping my idea of success and how I was reshaping my idea of self-love. And I found this beautiful editor, Danielle, who had a lot of New York time, you know, a lot of New York experience working with big authors and she hated the title of my book at the time. <laughs> at the time, it was called like, I was called like flirting with book burnout or something. So um, yeah, she, in her notes back to me one time, she was like, Carrie, the title of your book is called Unapologetically Enough. You just have to accept it. And the word enough, eight years later, was still a trigger for me. So here I am putting this beautiful book together putting all this knowledge I have about what, you know, what it feels like to love myself so deeply, what it feels like to move myself out of burnout, out of trauma, out of stress, and into as much balance as I can, you know, and oneness and stillness with myself. And the term enough was still a trigger. So I called up one of my coaches, 
And I'm like, I need help reformatting the concept of enough because I believe in this title. I had an immediate, immediate reaction. Like angel bumps were all over my body. I was crying. I was like curled up on the couch. That's my like, yes, this is a sign from God. This is it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So my coach, she was like, I want you to look up synonyms for enough. And I did. And it meant abundant. It meant satisfied. It meant so much that it's always meant, but I never saw it. I never saw it. And so when I really kind of felt into it, I was like, you know what, that is, that's exactly what I've been through. I've had to learn how to love myself fully, abundantly, to the point where I am so peacefully satisfied at my core, unapologetically. So that is a it actually, I love the title. Yeah. Uh, it took me eight years to really step into it though. <laughs> wow. You know, that, that's a phenomenal journey. And um, I loved how you sort of mentioned it's not just about self-love, um, right. you know, it, the word enough, you know, there was uh, a lack mentality about other things going on in your mm-hmm. life uh, and not having enough, you know, whether that was money, um, income, um, or health or whatever challenge that might be. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned those things because I'm sure the audience can probably relate to probably a lot of what you mentioned there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um, we're constantly struggling with ourselves on our time uh, restrictions, especially um, I'm a stepmom and I'm an entrepreneur and I'm launching a book. And so there's these like blocks of time I have to put myself in in order to accomplish everything I want to accomplish that day. And when I don't get to do those things, I used to have the hardest time being able to like unhook from my expectations um, and really get down on myself. And now it's, uh, there's this, I made an agreement with myself where I'm like, you know, tomorrow's another day. I'm going to try again tomorrow. I, I, it is a big boundary for me now to allow myself the grace um, to accept that not everything has to happen on my timeline on that's a huge thing for me time my timeline um and being a a woman who didn't get married until her 40s um looking back at who I was in my 30s craving partnership and craving romance same thing in my 20s that has been I think the biggest sort of healing aspect that's happened for me is accepting the fact that um there's a there was a huge difference in looking at the lack of it being in my life versus looking at the miracle of it coming into my life. Yeah. I I love the reframe around enough being around abundance, you know, and having, Mm -hmm. you know, more than (laughs) rather than, Mm -hmm. you know, previously being around lack. And I think we can do that with a lot of words. For example, I think for me, you know, a constant thing that comes up with my um, clients is the the you know that fear of rejection and I says well how about if we reframe the word rejection and, and look at it as being you know somebody giving you the heads up that this relationship isn't going to be the right one for you and it's releasing you now to find the one that is you know so rather yeah. feel rejected feel grateful that they've actually given you that release and that freedom now to attract the person that is going to be the right person for you mm-hmm. yep there was, um, I went on this date once I was 37. I'm a writer at heart. I mean, I've always been a writer and I've written for national media outlets for a long time. And, um, I went on this really bad date 
he at one point asked me why, and this is something I got a lot of my thirties. Why haven't you been married and ha- why don't you have kids? And I literally, I could have laminated an answer and just sort of like kept it in my back pocket and handed it out. <laughs> read this. Let me know when <laughs> read this. Let me know when you're done. I will continue. I got it all the time. And so I gave him my like, you know, mission statement. I ran after my career, my twenties. I wanted to create something first. Um, now I'm ready to, you know, pursue a relationship. And he was like, it's too bad you missed your opportunity to get married and have kids. And he said that. Ouch. And it, like, <laughs> yeah. So talk about rejection. I mean, like I'm literally sitting at this dinner table with him and it hung. I remember this so clearly. The word sort of like hung in front of me, almost like a fog. I'm incredibly intuitive and spiritual. And so when moments like that happen and they've happened before, you know, before I recognize them as a profound moment in my life, mm. something yeah. is going to happen here. So I excused myself, grabbed my purse, immediate left his home and didn't let that statement that was hanging in front of me penetrate me. It was almost as if like I had this split second to make a decision of like, that's not my story. That's your story. So I left. And before I went to bed, I turned to one of my writing groups I'm in. And I was like, hey, ladies, listen to this. This is what happened. And at the very bottom of it, before I realized it was coming out of my mouth or through my fingers, I was like, I'm going to write about this someday. Period. Post. Went to bed. And I woke up the next morning to like 400 comments from women around the world talking about how they had been through similar experiences. And as a writer and a magazine junkie growing up in the journalism industry, I would read mastheads of magazines. I knew names. I knew who was working where, when they moved magazines. And in one of the comments was the name of an editor for a national women's outlet, Redbook. And she's like, Carrie, I want to help you turn this into an essay. Give me a call. So it took a bad date, a profound rejection me having the courage to stand up and reject his rejection and being vocal about it for me to land in a woman's national magazine that was read by like 3 million women. Wow. And yeah, the response from that is really how I got the courage to finally add in the element of like self-love and my dating journey, my love journey into this book that is finally coming into the world this year. So yeah, rejection is a weird thing, but the reframe of it is so powerful. Absolutely. The most magical yeah. things can happen. <laughs> Absolutely it is. And we can do that around all sorts of words. Like you said, you did it around the word enough. And, uh, you know, I certainly educate women to, you know, reframe the word rejection and, and not perceive it as rejection, but just perceive it as feedback, you know, that's mm-hmm. releasing you to now be free to find somebody that, that is going to be the yeah. one. Yeah. So, yeah, um, th- th- there's always an upside. I think, you know, there's always what I call a stressing from the stressing. There is a blessing and um, we can't n- normally see it in the moment. But usually when we look back in hindsight, we can, can't we? Yeah, absolutely. I can I can recognize that in every major. I'm a COVID bride and my wedding was shut down 31 days beforehand. And we had five different w- dates. And it just kept on getting postponed and postponed and postponed. So finally, after like the third date, I turned to who is now my husband. We were living together. We were in COVID together, pandemic. He's high risk. And so I was the guy, I was the lady that was like washing the cans, you know, 
Um, <laughs> and um, I looked at him and I was like, I'm not willing to do this with you unmarried anymore. And he was like, okay, let's go to Vegas. And I'm like, honey, Vegas is shut down. <laughs> so I found, um, I found a, a cabin in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, I'm going to ask a relative that lives close by to drive down. We're going to have him ordained on the internet. We're going to stand outside on a patio and we're just going to do this. So we had a Zoom ceremony um, and I wore, a, I wore a dress I found on some website for hundred bucks, uh, gold sequence, which is actually why the term enough in on my cover is the way it is, is because that is what I, that's what I got married in. And, um, almost two years later, we had a reception and in the hindsight, my dad got to, to walk me down the aisle twice. I got to say vows with my husband twice. I got to wear two different wedding dresses. I got to have two different bouquets. Um, you know, and it didn't, that didn't actually, I mean, how, how blessed am I that I got to experience that twice? Love it. Yeah. And it just goes to show that we can always reframe, you know, any, any sort of challenge or any sort of word to ensure that, you know, we can let it go in, in the moment, you know, we we can get to a stage, can't we, when we've been on our personal development or self-help journey, where we can look at any sort of phrase or situation and just think, you know what, regardless of how challenging this is at the minute, perhaps I just need to think, well, how interesting, what am I learning from this Mm -hmm. rather than be reactive to it? Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to get to that point. I kind of feel like that's what my definition of unapologetically enough is. And I have a feeling it'll be different for everybody. But for me, it was, um, it is the stillness that I'm able to find within myself. And in those moments, the feeling I have about my life and about my, um, what I've manifested, like I'm so, when I can find the peace and I allow my fight or flight to cease, to like calm down. And it's just me in my body and my thoughts and my breath. Um, I'm living the life I always wanted to live. I'm living what I've always wanted to manifest. Um, And I did that, you know, so. What would you say, Carrie, um, to the listeners that are tuning in and that can relate to, you know, probably having that word enough means something that's been lacking in the past? How did that, um, you know, in terms of, I suppose, actions that people can take, what would be the first actions that you could give them as, as an exercise to sort of change things for them? Well, so for me, after that bad date, I made a deal with myself. And I was like, if I don't, I, I moved out of fear. And I, I said, by the time I'm 38, so I only give myself a year, if I don't meet the man I'm going to marry and have kids with, I will go through IVF and I'll preserve my fertility. I did that. I did IVF twice and it landed me bedridden and super, super sick and it didn't work. Um, And so a year and a half after that bad experience that landed beautifully and changed my life, um, I had nothing, but uh, I was so, and there was so much inflammation was running through my body. It was in so much pain. It was my thoughts. That's all I could really do. And so my actions, um, what I learned while being bedridden, just allowing my body to heal 
was that everything I had ever done in the past, the like private Pilates sessions, the, you know, the hair, the nails and the toes, the extra bagel or a, a more expensive bottle of wine, everything that I indulged in and did for myself were acts of self-care that were trying to move me into a different state of being so that I could feel something different about myself. And it worked. <laughs> I, you know, I always was able to alter some sort of state, but um, I think the state I was ultimately looking for was self-love. I wanted to find that level of oneness and all of the acts of self-care I did didn't help me get to that point because we are self, we are love now in this moment, always we yes, were born that I way. Agree right? about, yeah. Um, so for me, it was, looking at, it was, it was less about, well, that's not true. So to start with, I started, I actually created what I call soul quests. I write about this in the book. I, and have exercises. Um, I created one page contracts with different elements of myself. And so I called my heart, my CHO chief heart officer. And I made an agreement, like 90 day contract with my CHO that me Carrie, as the CEO of my life, we're giving all acts of romance and love over to my CHO. And my agreement with my heart was that I was going to sit in meditation or in stillness for like five minutes a day and just listen to it, try to tune into it. Um, I gave my CHO the like freedom to sort of give me ideas on, um, what should I do for myself? How, how should I, uh, how should I behave today? What should I try on today? And I sort of, I let myself get creative, um, bold, imaginatory. Like I really let myself sort of find my edges, sit in my edges, go outside my edges sometimes, come back in. Um, and it really did start to shift a lot about how I approached romance and how I approached love. Um, it was very cool. I love that uh, exercise. I've not heard of that before, but I love what you just described. And I think it's an exercise that anybody listening could actually give a try and, and uh, experiment with and think of their own empowering questions they could ask their CHO <laughs> yeah. or whatever name they like, like to call their heart. Yeah. That was something I did. Um, it was easier for me to do that with like um, I did it with my money. So I called my money, my CFO, and it, it was very easy to do it with things like that. Like, um, how can I save? What should I spend? What should I, uh, what should I invest in? What should I offer? You know, like it was very easy to do with that when it came to, and it's super easy to do for my health, for my spiritual well being. When it came to my heart, um, it was harder because I had put such a big wall up around it. And it was like, in order to acknowledge that that had to come down, I had to unpack that and let myself be free. There were moments and I did a 90 day contract at first. Um, and so there were moments that like when I sat in meditation and I really felt into it, a lot of the messages I got were like, sit on a bench in a park and watch the clouds and just feel yourself being loved. Like, you know, just allow yourself to feel free, allow yourself to feel sexy, allow yourself to feel feminine. 
um, in oh. the simplest of acts. Yeah. At one with nature sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Feeling the breeze on my skin and hearing that, you know, like, yeah, it was um, a very healing experience for me, actually. I, I find I do that a lot. You know, I, I literally love to feel the breeze on my skin because it feels like the universe is blessing or kissing me in yeah. those moments and giving me signs and that feeling of um, I am loved re regardless of who is or isn't in my life currently. Yep. So um, I did that. And at the end of 2017, and I met my husband, I think three days after that 90 day window ended. But this is this is after years of trying to figure out um, what I wanted, what I really wanted, you know, and um, but yeah, it took that exercise, I think, really column in because I let myself feel love for the self-love, deep self-love, like at a cellular level. <clears throat> for me, I would sit at the bench. I would sit on the bench. I was next next to a lake. I would feel the breeze. I'd watch the clouds. I'd listen to the birds. But it, I would imagine the sunlight coming like down for, through my head and literally sort of scanning my body um, and bub like imagining all my cells were champagne bubbles and they were sparkles running through my body. And it just, it made me feel light it made me feel safe it made me feel seen and protected it, it was it was a very beautiful feeling actually <laughs> yeah it sounds like and I can relate to it because I've had similar you know sort of experiences myself and uh I, you know felt the same sensations and I think for the benefit of the audience that you know not had a uh, any experience of what a meditative state is or what meditation is it doesn't necessarily have to be complicated it can just be about being still and, and just you know feeling at one with yourself and nature can't it mm -hmm. yep my husband and I um when we get out of balance the first thing we both recognize is that we have to put down work um and we have to go into a river we have to find a stream we have to find the clouds we have to feel the breeze again because we live in the desert and it is um yeah it's a very it impacts us both he um he is a water baby he has to have water so it's ironic we live in the desert but um when we get out of balance or when something in our life our work is a little sticky <clears throat> excuse me the first thing we'll say is we have to get out in nature and, yep. you know, I can relate to that because I'm a water baby too. And um, you know, <laughs> I love to experience anything to do with water, you know, so I love to swim. I mm -hmm. love to have a bath. I love to have a shower. And I, I always feel like it's my fountain of youth, you know, so while I'm showering, I'm imagining all my, cell, my cells in my body rejuvenating and, you know, getting to my optimum health and fitness whilst the water is, uh, you know, covering me and, it, 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 it just feels great. You know, I just, as I say, you refer to it as my fountain of youth. And um, I, I do get compliments because I'm, I'm 62 and a lot of people would never guess that I'm that age because they always think I look a lot younger. So yeah. I feel it works. <laughs> there you go. I just started taking cold showers because um, I'm interested in the research behind what it does for us. And I have like prayers I say in the shower because I do feel that way. Like water is a spiritual component. It is a manifester. And so I actually, 
I do my prayers. I do my, um, my daily sort of requests from the universe, typically in the shower. Um, but because they're, it's cold, I'm in there for like three minutes max. I feel so rejuvenated. I feel so great afterwards. I wish I would have done that years ago, but I'm excited. I took the plunge and I'm doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that brave to have cold showers. I have to say, you know, I do like my hot showers, uh, even though I'm, I'm living in a hot country. I live in Spain. So although I'm from the UK, I live in Spain. So, um, you know, I still have hot showers. But, I, you know, when it comes to going in the pool, then, you know, they're outdoor pools and I don't mind getting into a pool that's sort of a little bit on the cold side. So when it comes to swimming, yeah. I'm not so bad, but certainly from a shower point of view, <laughs> unless, yeah. unless uh, the, 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 the hot water system's oh, not working really, really not, <laughs> I don't like to stay in a cold shower. I have, yeah. to, I have to put my hand up and say that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Carrie, any other wise words of wisdom around you know, being unapologetically enough that you'd like to share before we close the episode? Yeah. So um, I think the reason, so unapologetically enough is something that is like a daily commitment for me. It's not like I got to this point and then my life is perfect. Like it is a, it's a daily um, goal of mine to accept myself, see myself, witness myself, claim this, be this, and it really does start with the internal feeling, like the moment my eyes pop up. Um, before I go to what time is it? Did so-and-so email me back? I have to, and it's so easy for me to get there quickly because, you know, I'm promoting a book and I do run a business. Um, I make an agreement with myself. I'm going to give myself just 30 seconds to just sit here and be so proud of who I am and love myself first before I wake up and go about my day. It is a daily thing. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm still great at it. Other days I'm like, you know, we're going to try better tomorrow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but it is something that I'm so I'm grateful for the journey. And it was a hard, it was a hard journey. Um, I'm so grateful for the lessons learned there. And I imagine if you're, you know, your listeners have a very similar experience where they might be feeling not enough in more than one space of their life. Um, and that it, it does require a little elbow grease. It does require some time and some grace, the willingness to feel the things that we've ignored for so long. Mm. And that does cause a little sticky point pain. So it's great that they have you you know, there to sort of support them through that. But there, um, Dolly Parton says, if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. Yeah. And absolutely. so, yeah, there's a, always a rainbow on the other side of it. And I agree with that. And you know what? And like you just mentioned, sometimes we do make mistakes and we have good intentions and we don't always get it right every time. And we do have to say to ourselves sometimes, well, I'll do better tomorrow because today hasn't been a great day doing, you know, what I needed to do to be my best version of myself. But yeah, you know, don't beat yourself up about that. We, we all go through that on mm -hmm. our, our journey to um, hopefully for us all being better versions of ourselves, don't we? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Carrie, um, what would be your best contact information for any listeners that would like to reach out and get in touch with you? 
Um, my website is unapologeticallyenough.com. Come on over, say hi. Excellent. And that's an easy, <laughs> easy, easy website to remember. Unapologetically enough, I love it. So thank you so much, Carrie. It's been a, a really great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm sure the listeners have got some great takeaways from this. Oh, good. Thanks for having me. So it just leaves me to say true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.